0: All right. Today on the Charlotte Mitchell Radio Show, episode 721. Uh, we are super excited to have with us in the virtual studio Akeisha Johnson of an Inspired Story. Listen, she empowers business leaders into becoming the kind of boss others really want to work for. And she does this by focusing on a couple different areas, uh health management, communications, DEI awareness, and other things. We're going to get into it right after this quick intro uh, here on the Charvette Mental Radio Show. We're glad you're here with us. Stay tuned. Whoa, 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 Why y'all so happy? You don't know. Charvette Mitchell is on the radio. It's time to get motivated, excited, and influenced. influenced. Why? It's the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, live from Richmond, Virginia. And now, here to motivate, excite, and influence you, Charvette, Charvette Mitchell. All right, hello, hello, hello. We are so excited to have you joining us here live, live. Yes. broadcasting live from the capital city of Richmond, Virginia, but heard and seen all across the world wide web. So we appreciate those of you that are coming in from uh, three or four different places on Facebook, certainly those that are listening from YouTube, from LinkedIn, from Twitter, from charvet.com, and those that are checking us out later in our podcast version. Listen, Apple Podcasts is always at the top of the list. We got to shout out Spotify and iHeartRadio, and then certainly Blog Talk Radio um, listeners, excited that you are here with us uh, for this great segment, which is so beautifully positioned here in uh, our February timeframe, Black History Month. And we're going to be chatting about safe spaces to talk about race here on episode 721 of the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show. So I invite you to go and tag, uh, tag some friends, tag some colleagues and say, hey, come on, uh, check this out. Uh, welcome to those that are coming on in. Hey, Carlethia, we're glad to have you. Hello, Kim and Deborah over uh, on YouTube. Hello, Sean. Happy, like, happy New Year. Well, happy New Year to you too, Sean. We're, we're glad to have you uh, in the audience. Uh, let me remind you and let you know that this segment is brought to you by my sixth book collaboration can you believe that my sixth Book collaboration. I joined forces with 11 of my clients that are in the Platform Builder program, and we are producing this amazing book. Pre orders are available right now. So, all you have to do is wherever you're, you're watching or listening, uh, you can go right there and place your pre order. Uh, certainly on charvet.com, our main website for the Charvette Mental Radio Show. Uh, it is right there, either on the side or on the home page. Uh, you can place your pre order for Positioned to Pivot uh, Strategies for the, Your Next chapter. And so you might be saying, well, who is this for? Like who should grab this book? I've got to tell you, anyone that is standing at a crossroad, uh, if you are at an intersection at a crossroad, and perhaps that is some type of pivot that you need to make with your career, it could even be a direction change for your business or some type of personal life transition that has you looking in different directions. Position to pivot is the book you want to have in your back pocket. So pre-order at charvette.com, free shipping, uh, and you'll be on the top of the list, the top of the stack when the books are out uh, in April. So thank you. I've been telling y'all that it's coming and then the pre-orders are here. Hey there, thank you for popping on in from our private Facebook community. We're glad to have you. So let me introduce my guest because she is just waiting in the wings uh, coming up here uh, on the Charvette Mitchell Radio Show, Akeisha Johnson, of an inspired story. Listen, she empowers business leaders into becoming the kind of boss other people want to work for. Focusing on the areas of health, management, communications, and DEI awareness, her programs transform workplace environments and relationships using fun and levity while providing meaningful insights. And I have to mention also, she is a winner of Great Companies 2023 Women Entrepreneur Award. And she is a chief guide and the founder of The Ocean Project, a nonprofit program which provides portable drinking water within Haiti. Uh, put your hands together. Coming up live on the Charvet Mitchell Radio Show virtual stage, Akeisha Johnson. Welcome to the show. Hi, Charvet. Good to to be here. We are excited to have you uh, from San Francisco, California, I see. Right, west side, west side. <laughs> so I love that. I love that. And so I want to actually just take our viewers and listeners back a step. And um, we'd love to hear now how you got into the space that you are in now. What was the beginning?
1: Gosh, I mean, I could talk about so many different things. Well, first, let me congratulate you on your upcoming book and your co-authors. That's, Thank that's, you. That's really exciting. And in some ways, it gets me um, into how I started. Um, I guess I'll kind of go back to the beginning. Um, back in 2010, I was working at a large university in Washington, D.C., and um, and the, Asian, the Haitian earthquake had just happened. Uh, and the university had made this huge pledge uh, to support Haiti towards this rebuilding. At the time, the First Lady of Haiti was an alumni, um, oh. the son of the president and the First Lady of Haiti. Both of uh, their son attended the university that I was at. And I had an interest in Haiti going back um, from childhood, uh, especially because this is Black History Month, I think. You know, a lot of Black people and a lot of people just worldwide don't know how impactful the Haitian Revolution was to the United States and U.S. Mm-hmm. politics, right? Most mm-hmm. people don't know that the reason why the Louisiana Purchase happened was because of the Haitian Revolution, right? Mm-hmm. Napoleon, mm-hmm. you know, they had lost that territory and, and you know, uh, Haiti was mostly a sugar producing uh plantation, right, of a country. Yeah. And the thing is, is if we look at our addiction to sugar, just imagine how much that funded France and the rest Ooh. of the world, right? They were making a lot of money. And mm. that revolution was so disruptive that Napoleon basically just threw his hands up and said, I, I'm going to forget about my empire and the Americas. And I'll focus on Europe, and I'll let those people in the States deal with it. And then that's when he sold off all of that Louisiana area. Right. And that, that was because yeah. people said, get off my back and you know, yeah. plenty off of me. Right. And so for me, when I was a kid, I was really inspired by that. Cause that just wasn't history that we were taught. Right. We were taught, you know, we come from slaves. Um, you know, we got freed, and and things were bad for us, and now it's better than it used to be. Like we didn't get a lot of history, yeah. So i I was just super fascinated. And then when I got into my early twenties, I danced with an Afro-Haitian dance troupe here in San Francisco. So shout out to. Uh, Valerie Watson and uh, a lot of the dancers out here. Port- Portia Jefferson, um, God rest her soul. Alicia Pierce. These are some of the people who I studied with, and just because I had that interest. By the time I was in Washington D.C., you know, something inside me just was galvanized and said, you know, there's something that you can do. At the time, I was coming from. We don't have to be Oprah to make a difference. So true. Right? So or true. you know yeah. what what's big now? We don't have to be Beyonce or Jay-Z. You really can just take a collection of people who care and you can make a difference in the world, right? Hey, Miss Betty. Um <laughs> Right. I see, people are popping up on the show. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Oh, Betty. Coming on here. She said right? preach. Right. Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. Look, for me, I can get on soapboxes, so I don't want to <laughs> be annoying. But um At the time, too, I was bored at work. Um, I had an entrepreneurial spirit. I literally would make up stuff for me to do at work. Um, The the work wasn't stimulating for me. And at Mm -hmm. the time, I was really deep into personal development. Um, And I was working with the sustainability department at the university. So it was like the universe was just putting all these different things together and, in my personal development um course, they said, "Do a community project," and I just had feelings about Haiti and what should happen and you know, for me, um, I went to um undergrad at howard university h oh, u right right? <laughs> right up the road from here I, I, exactly. I used to go down there to Richmond when I was oh, okay yeah I would. and um I remember being in a French class and our teacher showed us a video on Haiti, right? Because he had Mm -hmm. uh, gotten fluent in French uh, being in Haiti. And I just remember at the end of that class, sitting there in class saying, I think the most powerful thing I could do as a descendant of enslaved people Mm -hmm. is do work in Haiti. Mm. Especially, right, because like it was after that revolution, the Haitian people said, you know, around the world, you're a black man in Haiti, you're a free man. And I just thought, Mm -hmm. oh, that's so powerful. And people don't know that. And I just felt a responsibility to do work in Haiti. So if you haven't noticed, I can run my mouth. (laughs) This is bringing us all on on the journey,
0: on the journey here, which um, in this passion certainly um, led into your nonprofit. But then in this space of, you know, business consulting in in corporate, um, really helping them with DEI, which we know, you know, there are different discussions around what that looks like. But what was that transition into saying, okay,
1: how can I bring this awareness in corporate America? Really good. So when I finally, you know, I did the fundraising, I pulled together resources, I created different relationships with uh, different organizations. And then I decided I was going to move from Washington, D.C. back to San Francisco. So I was managing, you know, a, a couple of different teams in this country. And then I had our team in Haiti. And when we finally put in the water filtration system uh, and, Trained the locals there on operating the system and made the arrangements and all that. I just remember being there in Haiti, saying to myself, my God, if people knew what it was like to have a little idea and bring it all the way into fruition and see how it impacts people who don't even speak your language. I think that's how you change the world. And that that little thought, and for me, I would say to anyone listening, honor mm-hmm. those little thoughts, because it's true. That's God talking to you Ooh, a lot of times, so mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of times, I didn't know that God was planting a Like, you know, God had planted the seed when I was in class. Oh, you can do yeah. work in Haiti. And then I'm in Haiti, y'all. I, I would say this, every person of African descent, go visit a place like Haiti, go visit yeah. you know, different countries in Africa. One, it's, it's a different energy to be in those places. Those people yeah. have an orientation to the world. But when I was in Haiti, I just remember going, I think I owe it to myself and anyone who knows me to share with them what, what I got from putting together this project. And that's what got me mm-hmm. into the world of coaching what got me into the world of the safe space to talk about race and you know I I call it the safe star that's the program that I put together okay was because and you know I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area right I'm I'm in Cali where we're supposed to be woke right yeah yeah right but we're you know I'm in Cali where people are woke and people want to call the cops on you know seven-year-olds selling water in front of the ballpark Mm. I'm I'm in the part of California where you know, ladies want to call the cops on brothers at the lake barbecuing. You know, why? so you know where you know a man wants to call the police on the black man going to visit his friend, mortifying his little child. Like th- these are things that happen. Yeah, and I started to say, "What what's going on?" And then I would have intakes with potential clients and clients, mm-hmm. and my and I I don't like to use the word people of color, and here's why. People of color says that people look like what, not of color, right? Right. For me, part of what I like to do is to be really intentional about language. I'm not a person of color. I'm just not a white person. So mm-hmm. what I noticed when I had mm-hmm. my non-white clients and even my clients who were marginalized, queer, disabled, whatnot, yeah, I saw there are commonalities in the conversations, and I said, mm-hmm. just imagine if these people started talking to one another in a space that felt safe so that they can process what's happening and then come up with solutions. Because here's the thing, you know, this, right. As a coach, you don't coach people for insights. You coach them for action. Yes. Yes. Right. You coach them. So they actually can do stuff. I I, I say this a lot and I feel pretty passionately, right. Like I said, um, me running my mouth and talking about, I think it should be this way, I think it should be that way, Uh made me a nonprofit uh, creator, right? (laughs) Right, right. Right. It's like me running my mouth saying, you know what? You don't have to complain about this situation. There's other things you can do, is what had me be someone who created the safe star or the safe space to talk about race. Mm. Because I wanted people to have an opportunity not just to commiserate, right? Because you know what it's like. Look, I I've gone through it. We all, you know, I got out of the corporate trauma, right? I I got tired of being in spaces where people actually thought it was appropriate to challenge my intellect and all of that because I look like this. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But people are dealing with that. All around. Yes. And what they typically do is they go home and they complain to their friends and their spouses, and they say my boss is racist and I hate him. And you know, I'm I'm gonna steal staples or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) Right. I'm gonna have some impact. (laughs) I'm I'm gonna take a whole pack of pens and bring it home. (laughs) Right, like that, that kind of protest. Or you know they're button heads with people at work and and they never really get anywhere. And I thought mm-hmm. if we could have some people talk about what can you do to address it,
0: what mm-hmm. can you do
1: to empower yourself? I think again that's how you transform environments. That's how you transform relationships. And that's what I got into yeah. all this for. And so that's how the safe space started. And it started mm-hmm. off with getting a group of people um, in a living room for brunch and
0: wow.
1: just creating what... And for me, i study a couple of different things. Like I said, I have a background in dance. Um, one of the things that I think is really important for non-white people and for white people too, but for non-white people to get in contact with is mm-hmm. their ancestral knowing and practices. Mm. And so one of the things that I wanted to make sure that we had in the safe space were kind of ritualistic practices, right? And I'm not talking about, you know, like things that are scary, right? Yeah, But I'm talking about rituals that bond people. So I would do things like have a basket and have everyone write down what their intention was Mm. for the room. Put it in the basket and then put the basket in the middle of the space as an anchor to represent mm-hmm. that we're all holding this space. Those kind of things to really yeah. have people get that to create a safe space requires a collection of people. And two, before you talk about things that could be controversial or even triggering, you have to create some kind of connection and agreements of the people so that if things do get heated or emotional, everyone is really clear about where people are coming from. Why? Because you already said where you're coming from.
0: Ah, so good. And what has been the impact of corporations you've been able to go into and facilitate this and have the these safe spaces.
1: Well it's different in different spaces because here's the mm-hmm. thing, right? And I'm sure you've seen it. Some people don't want to talk about this. Ouch. Ouch or amen. <laughs> right. Look, I've had amen and I've had ouch. Yeah. Right. And and here's a you know here here's the beauty in it. When people get upset and triggered for one of the one of the aspects of creating the space or the safe space that I talk about is people understanding that there's a biological response that's happening a lot of times in these conversations and people, Mm. instead of acknowledging the biology of how people are acting, people go to a moralistic place, right? Where people go to, okay, you're screaming and, and hollering and that makes you a bad person. No, it doesn't. It makes them somebody who it, their autonomic nervous system is triggered mm. and they're now in their fight or flight modality. And so they don't have access to their executive thinking brain anymore because all they're mm. thinking about is how do you survive? But imagine if someone characterizes you on how you're trying to survive something. It just seems really unfair. Yeah, there's the truth. We live in a whole society that does that, right? We live in a society that calls people criminals and thugs for having the audacity to be poor. Mm. So, you know, what I'd like to do in the conversation is really strip out a lot of, um, like the feelings and the storytellings mm-hmm. around it. Mm-hmm. And when people do have stories to identify, that is a narrative. That narrative mm-hmm. isn't the truth. It's a narrative. The The only thing that we can really anchor in truth is what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what, what is happening is what we can say is truth because we can all agree this happened. This didn't happen. Everything mm-hmm. else is a narrative. And the more that we're able to do that, the more that people are able to sort through What are the issues? I've had people in the safe space distinguish. Oh, I, I really did think that this person was being racist, but I realized that they just don't know how to talk to people. Ah, how about that? But it takes something to get there, right? Like for instance, if you're a, if you're a white male who has been taught that to exert your authority, you should raise your voice and shut down any kind of um, challenging ideas mm-hmm. and the majority of the people that you're responsible for working with are not white but you operate from that place and those people say well you're racist and you go no I'm not here's here's what I would say to the white male you are operating from racism because you're not being responsible for the social dynamics that are happening here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what I would say to the non-white people is are you paying attention that Yes, he has the power dynamic of whiteness, right, which would make mm. him racist. But are you giving him any space for his humanity? Mm. That's mm. how we create these safe spaces, right? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> and there's no other way we're going to do it because you know that right now we're in a place where people are calling the backlash a DEI. Right.
0: Right. And what do you think that's coming from? What do you think? Is that just rooted in fear? Is that just rooted in? People feeling like non-white people are getting all of these advantages, and we want to stop that or what they perceive as advantages,
1: yeah. I mean, I think it's a couple of different things going on mm-hmm. right. I've said to people, it's not a backlash, it's just good old-fashioned racism. If we look mm-hmm. at um, again, let's look at let's look at black history in the history of the United States, specifically, anytime you see major advances of people of African descent, you see a huge Backlash, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Um, I I I do master classes, right? Where I invite people just to come and be in conversation, kind of think differently about things. And in January 2021, the day before January the sixth, I did a master class. And I, you know, I was talking to people, what do you think that 2020 taught us about racial dynamics and whatnot? And I, I had said to people, I think that this is the year that white people really saw themselves in 2020. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is stuff that, you know, non-white people have been seeing. Yeah, yeah, we we know you act like that, but now you see that you act like that. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But when January the 6th happened, I thought, I think this is kind of unfair, how these uh, insurre- 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 insurrectionists, is the word, yeah. how how they're being related to, here's why. Because what they're saying is, is that we want our country back. And mm-hmm. people are saying, no, this is not your country, but let's tell the truth. The United States was founded as a haven for white Christian males. It was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, that that, that's what the founding thought they intended that this was organized, Mm -hmm. that Mm the only real human beings are white men. Everything else is some subversion of that. Mm -hmm. That is what those folks were promoting. And here's the thing. They weren't wrong. And if we don't acknowledge that they're not actually wrong about the origins of this society in this country, And we're not going to get anywhere because basically we're just telling them you're bad and wrong, but they're not bad and wrong. They're actually right. Mm. They they are problematic in what they're doing and Mm. their belief systems isn't the healthiest thing for having a harmonious society, but they're Mm. not wrong. And so if we can start off there, and for me, I say this too, I'm not going to tell you to stop being racist. Why would I tell you to stop doing that? Here's all we're raised in a racist society. What I am going to say to you is is you need to be responsible for your racism and the expression of it.
0: I can imagine. uh, And there might be some listeners like, oh, this 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 is this is a cutting edge. This feels risky to say. Uh, and, and certainly thank you for those that are popping on in. Hey, welcome to the Charlotte Mitchell radio show where we are here, safe spaces to talk about, uh, about race. We see you here. Akeisha A- A- Johnson is with us, business consultant. She does DEI work across corporate, various corporations and all of that good stuff. Um, I can imagine that there are people who feel like, Oh, that I hadn't, I didn't, that's not how I think about it. And so I think you're, you're inviting people to to think of this in a different way i think you're you're definitely inviting people thank you sabrina for um, popping in and saying hello um so your masterclass do you have another masterclass that's
1: coming up that's available i actually do right the one the one i did last month was about the political landscape the one uh for this month because it is black history month yeah yes yeah yes uh we're going to talk about the history behind black history and it's mostly because I I I posted on social media, um, you know, what do y'all know about the history of Black history? And a lot of people don't know a lot, right? They they don't know who Carter G. Woodson is, mm-hmm. um, you know, they don't know that Carter G. Woodson was uh, the first uh, person descendant from enslaved people to get a PhD from Harvard. Yeah. Um, they don't know Carter G. Woodson taught in the Philippines and some of the things that he said um back in, you know, the um 1870s. Um back then. And you know, some of the dynamics for, for me, I feel pretty strongly about this, Charvet. Mm-hmm. The society that we live in today requires that we participate in it. Yes, absolutely. And for us to participate mm-hmm. in it, we have to create safe spaces for us to talk about the things that are challenging for us so yeah. that we can actually meet the challenge appropriately. That, that's why I do it. I don't I don't do it because I'm trying to great people. Yeah. And, and what you said, one of the things that I do at the beginning of the safe space mm-hmm. is that we create some agreements about, you know, if this feels like it's too much for you. Mm-hmm. Give, give me a signal. You don't necessarily have to verbalize it. So we create, okay. we create signals and a couple of different things so that we know, okay, wait a minute, this is a little too edgy for someone. We need to back off of it. And we have an agreement that we'll back off if someone yeah. says it's too edgy. Why? Because mm-hmm. we want to honor people's humanity. Here's, yeah. I find this and I I wonder if you feel this way. I think most people really don't want to be racist, even though we're impacted by it. Absolutely. 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 I agree with that. I I do. I I find that most people don't. And I think, you know, back to the backlash with DEI, I think that one, it is, it's just, it's a backlash because Mm -hmm. people feel uncomfortable with the advancement Mm -hmm. of African people, but it's because the riches of what we know as the first world was built by stripping African people, not only of their resources, but of their humanity. And yeah. I say it like that because that's the way it is. No other way to say it. No other way to say I it. I could say it another way, but it's yeah. like, guess what? The people who earned a lot of money from the Super Bowl were not Black people.
0: Oh, right. Even, even though it will be, you know, they'll start talking about what the football players made, but they never talk about who's writing the checks. That are able to pay,
1: X or whoever football player that they want to the bring. The football up. players aren't the one who got PIS-Aid. They might have got paid, right? Like, right. Did <laughs> Right. 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 <laughs> well, to, to get into Negro speak. <laughs> but on the, the other side of the backlash of DEI, I would say is this: it's because people mm-hmm. haven't been given the language to talk about it. Is that people have been given a bunch of information? Mm-hmm. You know, people have learned about Senecaville. People have learned about, you know, Tulsa, which people didn't know about. People have learned Mm about um, all these different things. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's so much that people are like, what? How do we talk about it? I. What I find is that people aren't really given a lot of skills about how do you really have the conversation? One, Mm -hmm. and two, given the space to practice being in the conversation. Mm -hmm. And that's what... That's why I created the safe star so that you can kind of say awkward things Mm -hmm. and you can say it in front of people who already have an agreement to listen to what you have to say with the best intent. Yeah. Yeah. Because unfortunately we live in a society where people actually, for the most part, don't practice listening for the best intent. They actually practice to listen for something to cancel you on. (laughs) And so if somebody
0: is listening uh, and watching and saying my the company I work for needs a Keisha, or we need or whatever environment they're in it could be a nonprofit it could be a ministry it could be I'm sure you go various places I, I saw your eye it could be a lot of different places, um, how should someone connect or
1: refer you uh, to be able to come in you know to their organization. Well, I'll extend two invitations, um, especially if you'd like me to come and speak. Hit me up on LinkedIn, because that's where that's where we get together for professional yeah. stuff, right? That's how we do that. Um, and I'm hosting a masterclass next week, uh, oh, yeah. Wednesday, the 21st, again, on the history of Black history. Uh, and it really is just a little bit of a taste of... The kind of conversations that I'll invite you into—it's—it's the light version. If you want the deeper dive, you know that—that's when you'll have me come in once you commit and you say you really want it. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) But you can dip your toes in the masterclass. There you go. And
0: I've dropped the link. Uh, so YouTube has the link. Facebook business page has the link. Twitch has the link. Uh, and we will um, go back and make sure wherever you're watching that the link is available for the masterclass. Is there a fee for the masterclass? Is it complimentary? How does that work? The only fee is your attention, your attention, pay with your attention. I, I am loving this. Wow. Um our our time like flew completely flew by. And I, I and I honor your I honor your time and I honor the work, um, the transformational work that you are um that you are doing. Um and so what's next for you? What what is on the horizon for Akisha?
1: What is on the horizon? It's funny too, because I'm actually um doing some work with an organization on them setting their uh DEI goals. So oh. uh and then Actually, yeah, and I'm looking to do the safe space at a university. Um, so th- those are some of the things that I have next next, and then of course I'm going to continue to do these monthly master classes really just to take on different ways that we can look at this conversation about not just race, but diversity, equity, inclusion, and really, you know, just ways that we can get along with each other and, and get back to remembering that we really are a human family first. First and foremost, we really are. And um, there was a time in history where people operated like that. And we have to know that this current version of a society was made up. And for us to have what we really want to live into, we got to make something up too. So
0: Yeah, we got to put
1: something in it.
0: Last question. The goal of the show is to motivate, excite, and influence. And we want to know what, motivates akisha
1: what motivates me god so many things um i'm really motivated by being in the company of people like you and people who really i really am um you know again i created the safe space because i wanted to be around people who wanted to think deep deeply Mm -hmm. um I do things like this because I want to talk to people who are serving and serving communities. And I find that really inspiring because I really do believe this, right? It's it's mm-hmm. an old African pop proverb, but it's true. Alone you go fast and together we go far. So I'm inspired mm. by going far together. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Well said. Well, we will continue to see you going far. And thank you for stopping by the Charlotte Mitchell Radio Show. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Ooh, wow, this was so good. Um, again, position smack dab here uh, in Black History Month, uh, but also a business spotlight. And so uh, if you are listening to the podcast version, look down below in the show notes and um, you will uh, see all the connection points for our guest and her full bio. If you are on YouTube, you can look down in the in the YouTube notes; they are there as well. Uh, and we want to continue um, continue this. And if you can, and there is an opportunity to um, refer Akeisha or recommend um, her services in organizations that you have your hands in or, or are a part of, I recommend that you that you do that. And you heard she is a wealth. Wealth of knowledge there. Thank you, Wendy Lee. Comedian Wendy Lee uh, usually comes in from Wakanda, said great interview, very needed topic. Thank you, Stephanie, uh, for being here. We appreciate you. Thanks, Sean, for popping on in as always. All right, it's a wrap. Uh, We're going to see you all later on the web. Charvette.com is where you can check out all of our guests upcoming and past. If you said, hey, I really want somebody to else to listen to this charvette.com is one of the easiest ways because they can choose to listen they can choose to watch and all that good stuff we'll see you all later on the web bye